0: Yes, coming in hot with episode 10 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who thinks Arsenal couldn't hang on from here. <laughs> oh, Top
1: of the league, aren't they? Can they, do, they, it? Hey? Can they I think, do it? I think, I think they, should be, um, they should be thinking about how they can get that bus going through London and Newcastle should be planning for who they're going to play in the group stages of the Champions League next year.
0: Uh, is the league ever won in September? Yes or no?
1: Oh, it might have just been. I I don't know. I'd say Liverpool last year were pretty close to doing it, weren't they? They won in about October. But uh, I don't don't know. Like, if you look at Arteta's boys, there's a very good chance, isn't there?
0: No. (laughs) 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 I'm going to go with a strong no. (laughs) No, Good to see Arsenal fans keeping it in perspective, though. That's good.
1: Yeah, they're not not getting carried away. Um, I've seen a couple of... Reasonable enough clips to see that they're keeping their feet on their ground, isn't it?
0: Yeah. No, good on them. Good on Heads on. Heads on from the <laughs> Arsenal fans, yeah. All
1: right. What's, what's the flavour of today?
0: All right. Flavour of today. Um, well, what do we got? we got the um, preview preview and the review um, of the first round. So I suppose we're, what, three-quarters of the way through the first round, some transfer chat, and then we'll um, wrap things up with a bit of mailbag and um, Colo's multi, which um, the punters will be hurting out there, Colo. So better sharpen up for, for round two. Um, but have you got an open question?
1: Yeah, so um, your boy Jamie Vardy was back in the goals, a couple of pennos. Uh, and he's continuing his love of shithousery with his goal celebrations with the two ears to the empty crowd. He got a kick out of that. Um, I think the the West Brom fans were absolutely devastated by that.
0: What, um, was that to, was, did he do it to like a fan wall, you know, where you, they have all the um, uh, fans like on their iPads sitting in front of their TV? Was it a fan wall? Or I, just don't, I
1: don't know. I, I didn't see But The other one that was funny was um, Harrison scoring in front of the cop. The commentator said, oh, he scored in front of the cop. And I'm like, well, the cop's empty. Like, he <laughs> yeah. it, it may, it may as well have scored in front of a public toilet. Like, no one cares. Um, so then I was like, so this got me thinking, what's the yeah. best goal celebration you've ever seen or you can recall?
0: Yeah, um, there is some good ones. A, a quick shout-out to Adebayor scoring um, scoring against Arsenal running the length of the field. Um, that, that was good. When the <laughs>
1: That's historic, that out. one.
0: Yeah, quick, quick shout out to that one. But um, I want you to catch your minds back to 1999, Liverpool versus Everton at Anfield, and um, Robbie Fowler, or God as I like to call him, um, they're down two one, and he pops up and gets the equaliser. Uh, they go on to win three two in that game. But um, when he scored the equaliser, he um, he actually ran over to the um, to the touch and um, proceeded to snort the the touchline <laughs> in response to the jibes from the Everton fans about um, being a cokehead. Um, so he copped a thirty six thousand pound fine for that, the largest of the largest fine ever at that point in time, and a full match ban. Um, he later went on to and said that um, he doesn't regret it one bit. So um, yeah, a bit of a classic one there for me and. I think it matches the shithousery of um, Vardy as well. What is yours?
1: So, um, actually, I really vividly remember that celebration. And as a young kid, I was like, what is he doing? Um, Yeah. But my favourite one is, do you remember a, I suppose, one of the first French players to come out to the Premier League and really, like, give us that continental flavour, David Ginola? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Um, Do you remember that? So he. Good hair, yeah. Very Good hair, good head. But what I'm getting today is his rig. So um, I think it was about 90, yeah, 70. The time. He signed for Aston Villa. Time, yeah. And John Gregory was manager at the time. And he was sort of giving him the big and saying, oh, you know, Ginilla's great, but he's overweight. Um, so Ginilla scores an absolute banger. Runs to the bench and whips his shirt off at his manager and gets his rig out, and he is absolutely shredded. Like, there is not an ounce of fat on him. And he gives it to John Gregory, he gives him the absolute biggins about it. It's he rubs his, his
0: stomach too, doesn't he? All the yeah.
1: <laughs> he looks like bloody Zeus.
0: Yeah. No, um, so that,
1: that's my favourite, but it's, it's biased towards Ginola because he was just a magnificent man in every way.
0: Yeah. Um, scored some bloody good goals, Ginola, too. So he um, had a few chances to. Uh, Pull off some celebrations. Um, so what we might do, we might dive into the review. So where else can you start other than Liverpool 4, Leeds 3? Thoughts on this? What a game. Like, Great game
1: what, huh? what a game. Yeah. It had everything. Um, so my boy Marco Bielsa almost did the unthinkable and people Liverpool at home in the first game of the season. But they didn't quite do enough. Um, Klopo had enough in the tank and it sort of helps a little bit when you have Mohamed Salah doesn't it
0: so Mo, he looked ready to go. I think there's been a lot made of um, what players um, had to go through to sort of front up to this first round um, or first match day in terms of the international break that was just on, the short break that happened and the start-stop um, end to last season. So considering all of that and all the complaints coming around from all the managers and, and some other players, to be fair, not not a lot of the players are com- complaining or that you hear about it, but he, Mo looked fit, sharp and ready, you think,
1: yeah, he, like he just hasn't missed a beat, and I don't know how he's not more tired. Like, I think he played like a large portion of the last season. Um, obviously, banged away the goals, but he, he just looks so sharp. And that, um, that's the second goal he scored was an a absolute cracker, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, that stayed hit,
0: yeah. So, great first touch, and then he absolutely lashed it into the top corner, so a bit of crazy. Um, first 30 odd minutes, wasn't it? So Mo scored in the um. In the third minute, Leeds hit back with a nice goal in the eleventh. Bamford pops up in the 29th and then Mo hit that volley in the thirtieth. Um, yeah, and then it went on to uh, to go three three, and then yeah, Mo with the peno um, late doors to win it four three.
1: So with so, what did you think of the the man marking man marking pressing type style from Leeds? Like, is that gonna is that gonna bode well for this season, or was it just like really suitable to play against Liverpool?
0: Mm, yeah, I've got, I've got some notes on that. So I thought that um, the Leeds were rather brave um, in their press and, and what they were doing. Um, my question would be, um, can they press like that um, with that intensity all season with this thin squad? I think as the games start to come thicker and faster, especially around Christmas, or every, you say Christmas because the games come thick and fast then, but I suppose the whole season's condensed. So it is good they are going to come thick and fast you know, pre-Christmas and after Christmas, really. Um, but with that press, it needs just needs to be so strong and so perfect. Like if one guy is is behind on his cue um, or, you know, he's um, a step slower and doesn't react or, um, you know, he's missing a yard of pace that game for whatever reason, um, Premier League teams are going to find that weak point or that soft point in their press and punch through the lines um, with with passes and get through them. So that's what I worried about a little bit um, as the season progresses. So I'm not sure they'll be able to do it all the time. Um, The other thing I thought is that once um, leads are going to give the lower half of the the table um, some real troubles with that press, um, and I think they'll really pin teams back and, and get some really good results for teams sort of at their level or potentially below their level. What I worry about is that what are, what are they going to do when they play a team in the bottom half of the table who isn't a possession-based team and you can't press like that? I suppose it's too early to say, but that would be interesting to see how how that comes about, or if you plays against a, a Jose team who, who are playing a lower block, what that means for um, leads to press. But, yeah, I thought it was brave. What what did you think about their their press? I
1: thought it was extremely brave, but it was also consistent with what we thought they would come out with. But I think Bielsa said it well where he said we we were close, but um, eventually the quality, what is it? Liverpool neutralised us with their quality or something, which I think is a pretty good assessment. But, yeah, I I, I agree with you. Like, it's going to work. I think they'll cause some trouble for bigger teams, but it could be sort of counterproductive when they need the ball a bit more or they have the ball a bit more. Um, But I thought, I don't know if they've, giving us a bit of a blueprint as to how to play against Liverpool, or like Leeds might just be pretty good. Um, I thought, I thought they were generally fairly impressive. I love the first goal from Harrison, like just the great ball from Calvin Phillips whips it out there. You know, Liverpool's wing backs are going to be high, yeah, it's
0: good. He was too high, and then he just oh, mugged off
1: he? Alexander Arnold, yeah. and then Joe Gomez went to get a hot dog. Um, but, like, that, like, it was just a really impressive. And then there was an, also an impressive goal from um, Click. But the one that yeah. I really want to talk about here is Virgil van Dijk storms forward on a corner, bullet header to make it 2-1. Great header. Like, just so powerful. And then he went up the other end and laid one on for Bamford. Um, like, that's, that's not very good from the world's best centre half, is it?
0: No, it's not. But I think his saving grace is that, and Liverpool's as well, is um, that Liverpool did look a little bit leaky. But I think the goals that um, Leeds scored and Liverpool conceded, um, they came from mistakes from some players at Liverpool who don't often make those mistakes. So I think the mistakes are easily ironed out and... You know, Liverpool aren't going to concede that many goals all the time. Whereas with Leeds, I, I can't see how um, those type of goals that like how they're going to stop. Like Leeds did look leaky, um, yeah. but Liverpool didn't. But I thought it was interesting when um, Van Dyke scored that header. He did that um, little goat symbol um, where he puts his hand under his chin. That uh, I think Messi and Ronnie have done it at various times and. Um, to show the hair on his chinny, chin, chin. Yeah. Um, and then 10 minutes later, as you say, on the ball, long ball over the top, tried to flick it with the outside of his right foot and just clipped it and um, him and Addison, yeah, got in a mix-up and, um, yeah, that was a Bamford goal, wasn't it? Yep.
1: Yeah, so you've got it. You've got to be careful using that goat celebration, don't you, if you're playing at centre half? Because
0: yeah, but maybe know. maybe he means he's a goat in the box, but just not his own box, maybe. Uh,
1: well, he did. He's quite well. He's quite good at laying him up the um, other end too. So, look, I suppose we'll move on from the champions of last year to the champions of this year, maybe.
0: Fulham, what?
1: <laughs> what? Uh, oh. Fulham, you think Fulham are going to win the next thirty-seven? Um, <laughs> no, Mikel Arteta's boy's getting it done. What do you think?
0: Well, I, I thought they looked good, right? Um, and I'm just trying to work out, like, and I presume it is too early to work out um, did they look good because Fulham um, are going to be scrapping relegation? Um, are probably one of the weakest teams in the league, um, are punching above their weight, don't really have the squad, and can't stick it together. Or. Um, is Arteta the man, and um, Arsenal on their way to win a title? So that I think it's just too early to tell between those two. But I thought Fulham looked good in in patches. They looked dangerous when they broke that initial press from Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal are compressed enough in their press between. So the strikers and the midfield are nice and tight on their press, but then between um, Xhaka and El um and the back three, there's just too much space. So it's like the back three don't press when the rest of the team press and there's just a huge void there and a couple of times Fulham clip balls into there um, and then that's when they're finding space and, and looking a little bit dangerous. So I think Arsenal are going to have to fix that gap between Jack and Nenny in the back three moving forward because um, I think a better team will be able to find those gaps and, and hurt them going the other way. What, what did you think? Did you, are you leaning towards um, Arsenal look great or, or Fulham Apache or too early?
1: I think settle down, Arsenal fans. Fulham defense was shit. Like, like they, they, Fulham looked a little bit like they had almost half the ball. So like they weren't sort of outclassed, but I wouldn't get too excited. I think Fulham are going straight back down. Um, William was impressive, and uh, I think Gabriel was pretty impressive too. But like Fulham didn't offer a great deal going forward. Um, Adoia was all right. Like, whipping balls across. But, it, like, I think there was probably three in the first 20 minutes where he just lashed it across the front of goal and no one's there. Um, yeah. So, I would just settle down if I was Arsenal fans. Like, there's some promise there. Um, and, the, like, the attack looked all right. But, again, you're playing Fulham. Like, just cool your jets a little bit, fellas. Um, there's a long way oh. to go.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought um, Fulham's um, centre backs looked all right when they had the ball. I think I'm really impressed with that Hector's passing. When he oh, passes, he really zings them in. The, the, the pace of his passing is unbelievable. He's not the best defender, as you can see he's, from the.
1: His defending the first sucks.
0: Like, yeah, did you well, see
1: the, the header for <laughs> Gabriel? Gabriel yeah. like jumped, but it wasn't like you know you're not you're not like, yeah, that, have like a fearless that was,
0: that was Ronaldo well.
1: leap. Hector's yeah. standing there. Um, yeah. One of the commentators on Optus actually said, "Oh, Hector looks impressive." It's one of those things like I, I don't care about a centre half that looks really impressive with the on ball. On the ball, yeah. yeah. I, I care about if he can defend, and he can't, which which was laid bare for all to see over the next ninety minutes. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I, I think they've got real problems, and like that was just that was too easy for Arsenal. They could have they could have had a lot more, I think, too. But there is good signs there.
0: But just there is good signs. I, I do worry for for Fulham. Um, they did look a little bit leaky. Um, and they didn't look like they had much cutting edge in their front third. Like it looks like they didn't have the the pace to trouble Arsenal. Um, whether that be leg speed and ball speed in, in the front third. Um, so yeah, I just can't. Yeah, I'm struggling to see where their goals are coming from, and they do do look a little bit leaky. Um, but. To be fair to them, this is their first run um, in the Prem for a season or so, um, a while actually, um, since they spent all that cash a couple of seasons back. So, yeah, to be fair to them, it is their first run at that. And also, they're not going to survive or stay up by beating teams like Arsenal. Like they're going to beat teams and pick points up off um, people who are sort of next to them um, and in that bottom half of the table. So, yeah, the season isn't going to be... judged by what they do against um, some of the bigger teams such as Arsenal.
1: Yeah, so I suppose speaking of big teams, so this was the one, um, we'll we'll revert back to Collo's multi around this, but um, (laughs) Wilf Zaha in the goals for Roy's boys. So they made it hard for Southampton and parked on the top of the box, but they got the job done. What would you think?
0: Yeah, well, I did. I must admit, I didn't watch this game. I watched the the just the mini match of it. But yeah, I thought I thought Zaha looked good. We spoke about him um, needing to pick up his um, the amount of goals he was scoring and his, his assist. So I thought he looked looked all right. Um, good finish, good technique um, at the at the back stick there. I think I think he did well. Um, Roy's boys with a, a clean sheet, um, but. I mean, Palace just looked a little bit unambitious, don't you think? Like, they played very deep.
1: Yeah, uh, Palace were very deep and they were happy to hit on the counter, but I suppose you've got players like Zaha in the side for exactly that. But I think Southampton should be a little bit um, disappointed with themselves. So I've, I thought they dominated for long periods, but they just lacked a bit of a creative edge. Um, Danny Ying's a good goal scorer, but that's not his game to sort of lay off goals for everyone else um, to get in there and create. They really did like a, a buffal or um, a like would have been really beneficial for them, I think, just to create a few more chances. Because they had the ball, they looked good with the ball, but they just they just didn't have anything, to like anyone, to create that chance to break down that low block. Um, and then Palace looked very dangerous on the counter. So...
0: What did you think of Cole Walker-Peter's uh, book?
1: <laughs> oh, what a bloody shit show. I just don't <laughs> oh, no. understand how, like... I'm glad we've got the monitors there and I think the right decision was made, but I just don't understand how the ref can get it that wrong in the first place. Um, yeah. But it's it's good to see that the monitor's back and they can do that, but, my God, that's bloody... Fr- but Sorry, no, I'm not going to go on a VAR thing, but, look, it's good that the right decision was made. Um, so, look, let's move on to another England legend now. So, you said Newcastle would struggle. You said Andy Carroll's passed it. He's not the Shearer clone that you thought he was, but they've bloody done it.
0: Yeah, they have, they have bloody done it. But um, Andy, surprisingly, um, played like 87 minutes or something. So I am not can't remember the last time he played that. Was that for the Andy.
1: whole of 2020 or was that yeah. on the weekend?
0: <laughs> that was just on the weekend. So um, good on him to string some um, minutes together. But I think this is one where I'm more confident in saying it, it's a bigger reflection on West Ham where they're at than it is Newcastle. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah, I think I think West Ham have got some problems. Um, like Newcastle again took their chances, which is good. West Ham had more of the ball. They couldn't really do much in front of goal. I like think they mustered three shots on target. But um, yeah, look, Newcastle were good for the points. They took, they took the chances. you got um, Callum Wilson with a nice goal. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Henrik with a nice top corner strike. I know you've been critical of him in the past. But, um, yeah, I think there's real problems there for West Ham. They looked bloody uninspiring, and they had all their new signings from last year basically sitting on the bench too, which tells me that um, Moisey doesn't like what they've produced. Um, yeah. They're linked with Tarkovsky, but I think they've got bigger problems. I think we're going to be talking about a West Ham-Fulham um, relegation battle in a couple of months.
0: Yeah, I think I probably agree with that. that They just look really uninspiring. Um, And if you have a look at West Ham's upcoming fixtures, um, which are rather savage, to be fair, um, I think they're just really going to struggle. And I think your boy, um, Moise, could be or actually will be leading the sack race so next up for them is um arsenal then wolves then leicester then spurs then man city then liverpool and i think at that point he gets sacked Don't they're in the way
1: that long Jeez, like but that's the thing like you got none of those games is a game that you'd be like oh they a chance there it's like not even that they get a point like they're yeah. all games they'll lose well, you I look at that, the team as well, but there's nothing there that inspires you to set. Like nah. they need to bring in some players, but that team looks so uninspiring and uninspired. They need to bring someone in, but you're like, what are you going to do? Like it's, they. I'm worried about them already.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think they'll they'll struggle. Are they, to be fair to them, they could have picked up a point out of this game. Like when it was one 0 they were sort of pressing forward and um and had most of the play for sort of a large chunk of time. Um, and then as they press forward, Newcastle were causing them problems on, on the break, which is a little bit worrying for West Ham. And then that's when um yeah, Hendrick got that um, nice finish on his right foot, across the body into the to the top bin. So I think at that and then that the game was done at that point. It, it was 2-0. But yeah, I think sort of when it when it was one one, that was their chance to to do something and they yeah, just as you say, looked too too flat, too uninspired to Conjure up any great chances and, and get it done. So, yeah, I am tipping, um, which is a pretty safe tip to be honest, that Moisey will get sacked first. Are you supporting that?
1: Oh, I don't know if they'll sack him because they, but like, yeah, as you said, like, it doesn't sound like they can win any of those games. Um, so, we could be looking at what, eight games in and no points on the board yet. Like, you sort of have to sack him, don't you? Yeah, but he like also he's a, like he's a good footballing man, um, and he, he did a good job at Everton. But I just worry that he's like I wouldn't say this is his fault. Like I think this is this is years of mismanagement coming together. Um,
0: and, and he just happens to be in the point of yeah, it. And yeah, and he
1: just happens to be in the driving seat, and he kept him up. But like, it's just he just looks so poor. Um, mm. But moving on to someone who yeah. didn't look poor, let's let's talk about Leicester City. Go on.
0: Well, I'd hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. I said they'd get it done easily against um, West Brom, and I said they'd probably leave it a little bit later. They'd overrun them with their pace and their their ball movement in the front third, which they they definitely did. Um, they looked too, too sharp for um, West Brom, really. Um, and this looked like a Premier League team um, playing against a newly promoted team. The, the gap, this is probably... Like kind of this kind of felt like um, the Fulham Arsenal game too, where you could tell the gap between the Premier League team who's been established and, and the team just coming up. But yeah, I thought Leicester looked as good as they can um, against a, a yeah pretty soft um, West Brom team. Um, and what else do you do apart from keep a clean sheet, put three goals in, um, and keep everyone healthy? I think it was a good, good game and good result and good start. Um, to the foxes and they are hot on the tail of arsenal um but what did you think of uh um the the new guy so um a few of the fans were chanting out um ben Chilwell never heard of her so
1: yeah. <laughs> I guess Danny, he was on the right but he was he was impressive i liked his energy i think he's gonna yeah, you
0: can play on the left so you, yeah. he's gonna do both apparently i yep. think
1: he'll um I think he'll take a little while to adapt, but you can't fold his energy. Like, he was getting up and down all day. Um, probably a bit easier against a uh, fairly average West Brom side. But, like, you can't help be, be impressed with that work rate, and you think that'll bode well for the future.
0: Um, great header.
1: Great header. It's a, gets himself yeah. a goal on debut, too. Like, that's Sandy. But I thought Dennis Pratt and um, Harvey Barnes were the most impressive for me. Look, Jamie Vardy got a double, but he was fairly quiet up to um, sneaking a couple of pens in. But, yeah, I couldn't help but be more impressed with Harvey Barnes. I he was excellent.
0: Just just his pace and energy, he's good, isn't he? Yeah, they just couldn't handle it. Yeah, that was good. Um, so the other thing that I um, want to cover in that game was the you say the two penalties by um, Leicester, the, the Vardy converted, but I think that both of them were definite penos, and I think it's just a matter of especially the second one, the the challenge there, you could just tell the, the pace um, of Leicester was just causing them trouble, and um, as the game wore on, the more they looked more and more likely to get more, more and more penalties. To be honest, but both of Jamie Vardy's penalties were unsavable. So the first one he cracked along the ground um, and hit the side netting, and the next one was about sort of chest height again, um, side netting. But I want to get your thoughts on the um, having to take a second penalty. In the same game, so Vardy did it, um, went the same way and scored, and Mo did it in the um, Liverpool Leeds game, um, and pretty much went down the middle as well there. Yeah, but difficult yeah, to take, just take I a think these game.
1: these top class goal scorers they just got ice in their veins, don't they? Well, actually, Jamie Vardy's probably like ninety five percent Red Bull, but um, but that, that, like, I just don't think it bothers them like it would previously. Like these guys are just so mentally conditioned now. Um, it just didn't seem a problem. Vardy's second penalty was even better, I thought. Like, yeah, well, it seemed to get game more side <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and just, yeah, just unsavable. Um, really. He, he wasn't getting – and the keep went the, the wrong way on both of them. But, yeah, Vardy looks good. He looks, he looks fresh. Um, a lot was made of him, especially by um, Rio Ferdinand. I think when when he first retired from international football, he's saying that it was a little bit disrespectful to retire from um, that level of football if you can still contribute and still score goals. But Jamie was sort of steadfast that yeah, he wanted to um, prolong his, his club career. Um, And he thought by stepping down from international duty that that would do that, especially since um, realistically at that stage Harry Kane was going to play all the time. So he was just taking all these flights and and doing all these extra sessions with with England um, to when it really come down to it, to be honest, um, Harry Kane was always going to start in any way. So, yeah, I think taking that out um, has, yeah, just sort of kept him extra sharp and and extra fresh and he hasn't had that that extra travel and those extra couple of games that some of the other internationals have had. But similar to Mo, he, he come back from the season, um, stop-start season and the short break um, and he just looks electric, looks like he hasn't missed a beat. And anyone who had him in their fantasy team as captain, me, um, will be um, loving the double points from his double
1: so we go, um, we go from one England striker in form to one England midfielder very out of form. So let's move on. Let's move on to Tottenham versus Everton. So I suppose Spurs, in my opinion, were well beaten for 1-0. They had a couple of chances, but I think Everton were good for it. But Jose Mourinho has come out and is quick to criticise his boys. And uh, one player famously got the hook at half time, being Dele Alley. And then Jose pointed out that there was a lazy press in the first half. What do you make of one, Deli Alley getting the hook that early, and two, Mourinho coming out and giving him a real bashing?
0: Yeah, so it's not the first time Mourinho's come after him. I think he was one of his biggest supporters um, when Deli had that. Uh, like rich Vane of form. Do you remember that? There was those couple of games where he scored a bunch of goals and that time he sort of fell over on the sideline and did this weird back heel to put a through ball through. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jose was loving him then, but he sort of come off him a bit. And I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list to watch. Is the um, all or nothing um, doco. It's Furs. It's always going to be it's nothing. It's, it's, it's Spurs. Um Yeah, that one. And apparently in that, he blatantly says that training um, – that, hey, Dally, um, everyone told me this, but now I know that you're a lazy fucker. So, I think he is not really mixing his words. Even in the press there, he didn't specifically mention his name, um, but we know he loves King Harry Kane and we know that Dally was playing just behind him. And he said the press was slow and sloppy and lazy um, from the front and he gave Dally the hook. So, he's obviously talking about him um, and, and really not happy with him. But, like... Is it one of those ones where um, Jose sort of picking someone out in particular? Um, we've seen him do this at a few clubs. What do you think? It was um, warranted? Was um, Dali, yeah, a bit sloppy in this game?
1: Ah, oh, see, Deli Alley's is such a hard player to like pick because he plays in a position that doesn't really exist. Like, you can't really make him a number ten. You can't play him out wide. You can't make him a centre midfielder. But he sort of does all those different roles.
0: Yeah, he's like this game. weird mishmash of like an 8 and 10. Yeah, he?
1: and like he probably drifts out wide and he can do sort of whatever he wants. Um, but like I know, I suppose in the, if we go back in time a little bit to yeah. Jose Mourinho at Chelsea, so he was very critical of Joe Cole and uh, he, like it worked for Joe Cole and Joe Cole got better. Um, eventually Joe Cole went and he's got off. He was critical of Ricardo Carvalho. Um, but Carvalho goes on to be, like, in my opinion, one of the best defenders in the Premier League history. Um, he was critical of Pepe, but Pepe obviously was is an excellent footballer, if not a nutcase. And the other person he was critical of was Eden Hazard, um, who obviously responded to become, you know, one of the best players in the world. Maybe now he's got some problems. But I don't know if Deli is that type of personality or is it like the new younger player? Like, I don't know if he's going to respond to that.
0: Yeah, well Jose is apparently supposed to be the master at picking out what what people um need or used to be. I suppose that that stigma's fading a little bit. So he's obviously worked out that or he obviously thinks that um is someone who's going to respond to that. But i probably agree with you where I'm not sure his personality sort of plays to that. I'm not sure you're going to get the best out of Dally um by sort of running his name through the through the press like that and, and calling him out on it, but I think what else do you do? Like if you see, see him with all that potential and he's essentially just wasting it by just cruising around, picking up a check, um, you know, being a bit part player for Spurs, like it's just it's just frustrating, isn't it? And yeah. Jose's clearly had enough enough of it.
1: So from one midfielder who underwhelmed to one, like well, well, actually a couple of Everton midfielders who were very impressive. So James Rodriguez did enough in eyes. I thought he was like good in patches. But Allen was very impressive. And he, honestly, like, you know when a, a team has a problem and a player, like Bruno Fernandes at Manchester United, they had a problem and they solved it. Yeah. Alan looks like he solved that problem because Everton's midfield were like traffic cones last year. Um, but he he's a little bulldog. I was so impressed with Alan. What would you think?
0: Yeah. So I, I thought he was really impressive too, but he's just an impressive signing for Everton. And he's just – I think he's one of those ones or signing that um, – similar to James where um, – Everton aren't going to bring in a player like um, James or Alan um, without Ancelotti there. And I think Ancelotti just being at the helm allows them sort of a portal to, to these players that they otherwise wouldn't get. But, like, can you ever imagine um, Everton signing the, those type players, Alan um, and um, James, without him, Carlo, at, at the top? You just can't see it happening, can you?
1: I remember, oh, just going back, but they signed uh, Duncan Ferguson for three point seven five million, yeah, um, and not, that that not for me miles. was that for me was groundbreaking. Um, they've come a long way, but all the other like they signed Sigurdsson for like fifty million. That was not a disaster, but it didn't turn out as planned.
0: Didn't turn out great, yeah. But I see what you're saying when you're like, um. Yeah, me and you had a problem. They identified it and just got the perfect player, and that's exactly what Everton have done with with Allen. He looks like the just the guy they needed to to get them to click. But I, th- I mean, this game just felt a little bit um, drab compared to some of the other the other fixtures. Don't you think? Like it felt like it was played at a slower pace than the others. Yeah, it that.
1: does. It does seem like like I, th- I think. Um, Everton's excuse would be we sign three midfielders in a week, like it's going to take a little while. Um, Spurs, I don't think Spurs really have an excuse for that type of
0: performance. Yeah, they don't have an excuse. But Jose come up with two. He come up oh. with that. Um, he come up with that. Uh, Harry's only trained with the squad once um, pre this round, so he wasn't really happy about that, but. Let's be honest, like every manager could point to that or one or two of their players, especially the ones that went on international duty. The other thing I want to cover is um, Jose was fuming about where the free kick was taken. So the this is the goal that Everton scored. Um, so there's a foul out on the left-hand side um, and they probably snuck maybe five or ten yards forward, which just changed the angle of the cross, um, which um, Dominic, Calvin, Lewin eventually... Um, what a header. Headed in, yeah, which is a great header. But yeah, so I want to I want to cover that that Jose um, rant there. Does he have a point? Um, and he was saying, and the interviewer said, well, why why didn't your players pick it up? Why didn't they do it? And he was saying that they're on Skype calls all the time with the referee saying, you know, don't answer back, don't tell us this, don't tell us that. It'll all get picked up by VAR. It didn't. Um, it changed the angle of the cross, and they scored. So, do you think that had an outcome? And does Jose have a point?
1: Well, I, th- I think he kind of has a point, but then, like, so he's moved the ball five yards, but you still can't defend a set piece. Like, it changes the angle, but the-, the principles around it are the same. Like, the your centre-back needs to stay tighter. Like, Eric Dyer, I think he's, like, half on the ground when Calvert-Lewin's rising like a salmon to head that home. Like, I think he has a point. It did get moved, um, and potentially it might have been a little bit further than is generally accepted, but... Like, getting back to the fundamentals, they should still be able to defend a set piece. I just think think he's making a mountain out of a molehill to cover up for how bad their performance was. Do you agree with him?
0: No. Well, I think, yeah, I think it does have an an impact. Um, I probably disagree with him in that I think the players should have said something or done something. Um, And then, yeah, but I suppose you're right as it – as the ball gets whipped in, there is something that they can do at that point. They they can defend. They can stay tight. They can not allow him to jump. Um, having said that, <laughs> once Dominic Calvert-Lewin leaves the ground and headers it, no one is getting in the way of that. No one's saving that. What a great header. Yeah, uh, that, it was. a I think. That almost.
1: Um, yeah, I, I had a ones. I just love a good header like that. Like, just everything Ronaldo about was that there. was so nice. Like, the ball in from Luca Dean was brilliant and he – Met it so powerfully, but Richarlison could have had a hat trick, um, like quite yeah. comfortably. There was a pretty, there was two impressive saves from Jordan Pickford, but it could have been more. Like, I think I think yeah. Jose is worried about that, but I reckon they've got bigger problems. Like, some of the defending was terrible.
0: Some of the defending was terrible, but Richarlison's finishing was even worse. Like, he looked like um, Raheem Sterling with his finishing, just creating all these chances, getting in all these great spots. And just not having not having the skills or the composure to to finish the one where he went round, um, where he went round the race, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then he was just on his left foot. He just he could have slowed down and um and dribbled in a bit further. Um, he could have sort of concentrated on his technique and get his near over the ball, so not to blaze over. Or he could have put his foot on it and cut it back. Yeah. Um, to, to tap in. Like, There's so many more better options than just slicing at it in, in, into the stand. So, yeah, I think, as you say, he could have had a hat-trick and I think his game will go to a next level if he works on his finishing. He looked like Raheem Stealing.
1: Yeah, no, Ed, I think, but one day this year, um, those will all go in for him and we're going to be talking about like what a performance. Like, I thought they're, they're building towards something and I thought they, like for a first game of the season, to get a, three points away at Spurs, like evident fans would take that any day of the week. So I suppose that's that's the wrap. So Arsenal top of the league and heading on to another title. But we've still got tomorrow with Sheffield United and Wolves to come. What's the tip there?
0: Yeah, well, we've covered this, haven't we, in our last pod. Um, press rewind if you want to go listen to, to the full preview of that. But, I, yeah, I think Wolves will be too continental um, and, and get them done there. What do you think?
1: Yeah, i got Wolves in a canter. And then I think the hitter. the uh, the news for me is I think we've got another 7 hours to kick off so who will Chelsea sign in the interim.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Chelsea Chelsea play uh, Brighton in in Brighton and yeah the big talk there is um yeah who who they're going to start with but I think they'll be too strong for Brighton so i have got Chelsea there what are your thoughts on that one?
1: I think Chelsea will be top of the league by tomorrow morning.
0: I think really they'll you think the better Yeah. Yeah. So what do they need? They need four, they need, four nil.
1: They need four to top Arteta and uh, Arteta's boys down at Arsenal. And yeah. just just postpone that title charge just a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, at least uh, at least slow down. I don't think Arsenal fan TV will slow down though, so good on them. Um So, yeah, that will bring us to the end of um, that immediate round. So what we might do is move on to transfer chat. <laughs>
1: Oh, it's been a big day for Aston Villa, hasn't it? Has it, though? I think so. I think so. So they've picked up Arsenal's reserve goalkeeper, Martinez. Um, so that solved a problem for them. Um, yeah. And then they've also signed Bertrand Traore from Lyon, the striker.
0: Yeah, that, see, that that's something a little bit um, to get excited about. I think picking up, um, yeah, Martinez from... Um, from Arsenal, I think like he did a right. like he, he dislodged um Leno a couple of times, didn't he? Um last last season, so I think he's not the worst signing, and as you say, something something they need. But um Tarare is the, the the one that you really should be excited about if you're a Villa fan. Are you, are you liking this, these moves? I,
1: I am. I think they had a they had a real problem last year with goals. Um, and I think. I still worry about whether or not they can stay up. But um, Bertrand Traoré has obviously spent time at Chelsea previously, so the English game is not completely foreign to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think they definitely had a problem with goals, and it gives them a bit more options because Wesley will come back um, soon enough, and they've got Traoré as well. So there's two very good strikers they can play up top to sort of tuck some of those chances away that Jack Grealish is going to create. So I think it's
0: great. I know you like the the stat of um, chance creation, and um, and Jack created uh, the most chances of any English player when he came off the bench. So there you go. If he can link up with Charoay, uh, I think yeah, they'll have a bit of an avenue to go. As you say, it was a bit of a problem for them um, last season, and it almost got them got them uh, relegated. How, how dodgy though they were up front in terms of um, converting chances. But um, Wolves have signed their. They're gaffer, haven't they? Um, Nuno, he, he signed on. Um, three-year deal. This has got to be a good move for Wolves.
1: That's a great move for Wolves, isn't it? He's they're impressive. Um, I think locking him down is good because, like, obviously bigger clubs are going to start noticing what they're doing. Um, and they've got this that unique model where George Mendes is effectively part of the club. So Nuno's a George Mendes client as well. Um, so he retains... Ultimate power over the club, and we're just going to see the Portuguese manager bring in a number more Portuguese players over the next couple of years, three years of it. I can't yeah, wait good. personally.
0: No, I think yeah, good as you say, good signing for Wolves. I think they obviously made the right move by by keeping you on. I think I'd be a bit nervous about what he he does next. I think kind of like Wolves or you know that second tier of um, clubs in England is probably Nuno's level. I'd hate for him to like for example, say the Spurs job come up or um, Ollie butchers it or something like that and he goes to one of those big clubs I think potentially that might be too too much for him so yeah I'm kind of hoping that he um, he sticks with wolves and and yeah does does well there. Do, do you think he's good enough to take the, the next step or do would you want to see him sort of churn out some um, bigger things with wolves before you see him move on?
1: I'd love to see him stay at Wolves. I'd love to see him just keep going with that. And I don't think he needs to go anywhere to get, like, what he wants or potentially, like, maybe uh, moving into the continent somewhere, like, around Madrid or Barcelona, as I'm calling. But he might be a little bit off that. But um, I think, yeah, I just think Wolves keep growing at that very comfortable rate. And I think they'll be in the Champions League before we realise it, um, just the way that they keep going. So I think stay there.
0: good. Good business Wolves, Agreed. Yeah.
1: yeah. So then West Ham are trying to solve a significant problem at the back by trying to sign James Tarkovsky from Burnley. What do you think of this one?
0: Yeah. So I don't mind this move. Um, I've got to do I, something. <laughs> yeah, they need to do something, and and he's a decent player. Um, I, I really really enjoy him. He um, there was talk of um Leicester bringing in uh, Tarkovsky when um Maguire left, so that's who they were going to. They were going to replace him with, so I think they put some um, cash out towards um, towards Burnley to to bring him in. I think the problem was with that deal why it fell over was that Burnley knew that um, Leicester was sitting on eighty million pounds, so they just kept gassing up the price till it become uh, untenable, and the, the deal fell through. But yeah, I like him as a centre back. That that's I think he's done done some good things at um, at Burnley, and he can obviously defend. He's not one of those centre backs which um, you hate. We're decent on the ball but can't really defend that well. So, yeah, he does all, all the basics well. And the last thing on him is strong hair, really strong hair, Tarkovsky. Very strong do you hair. Think? Very what strong hair, very good. Not in
1: only hair the too. hair, but the signing. Oh, no, I just, his hair is very strong, but he's a big unit, big, good English lad, um, and he can defend. I think West Ham need more players that can actually defend. Um, they've got a lot of luxury <laughs> players running around, yeah. in my opinion. So I think that'd be a good sign. It looks like they'd have to stump up 50 million for him. Um, 50. Jeez. But I think I think that's a bit excessive. Um, but I feel like if you're West Ham now, you have to pay it. Like you or, need,
0: yeah. Like the the alternative is you go down. So as you say, if if you spend fifty and you stay up, it's a bargain. Um, if you spend fifty and um, it still just turns to shit, then yeah, you, you're going to go down with um with a fifty mil lighter. But uh, yeah, I I probably agree with that that they need to do something. And so yeah, well, why not? Um, yeah, buy an experienced centre back to try and solve some of these um. These uh, leaky leaky performances that, that they keep having. So yeah.
1: bad news for Premier League fans all round. Uh, no. Looks like Thiago staying in Munich. No,
0: no, not what I want to hear, right? Really? My oh, boy, yeah, what do you want to see just that, that type of player, that culture? That culture? Um, what are you saying, the English
1: culture is not strong enough? Have you not seen a shirtless <laughs> Newcastle United fan yeah. <laughs> swinging a Shearer 9 shirt above his, that's culture
0: yeah well you're right, but um because of the um the warmer weather's here now, right, so all those um Newcastle fans loaded up on Nookie Brown with no shirts on um you don't get to see them at the moment um because there there's no fans in the stadium, but yeah, I'm disappointed that um Liverpool couldn't get that done um but I think it sounds like thiago he wanted to stay, but um the club were okay for him to move on if the the number was right, but yeah no one ever got got to the number so so sounds, there it go. Sounds he, like
1: nothing's happening, but you just don't know, do you? Next couple of days.
0: Yeah, well, I think if he's on, if if you can buy him for thirty, I just can't understand why anyone with thirty million wouldn't go and buy him, and and try and lure him in. It just doesn't make any sense. But maybe he's a real um, head. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of players um, being hard to get, Sancho, you got an update for us? Oh,
1: oh my God! It's just such a pain. Him, so, okay.
0: Now it's done, right? <laughs>
1: Agreed, personal terms. So I thought he had, like, he has agreed personal terms before. <laughs> that has never been the sticking point. But they've yeah. agreed personal terms, which is great. Um, now we're still on the fee, but apparently it's it's just done. Like, it's not going to happen. But oh, the good it's, news it's is
0: there's
1: a substitute. So drum roll.
0: We we spoke about Grealish. Is it not? It's not no, Gareth. I don't
1: think it's Captain Jack. Apparently Gareth Bale might be pushing for a move.
0: Now we're talking, hey! He's now talking about to, he's talking about playing football. We love.
1: Yeah, playing football again. Um, so there's there is an outside chance that Manchester United could pick up uh, Gareth Bale for twenty mil.
0: Twenty mil and a golf membership. That seemed like a good deal.
1: It's closer to St Andrews, so he can drive up to Scotland and go and overhit there. Yeah. And if he, well, if he needs a couple of days off, honestly, if you can get Gareth Bale back into the Premier League, I'll chip in as well.
0: Yeah, I genuinely think this is this would be a good move um, for Manchester United's squad and and their output in terms of goals and stuff like that. The only thing is, it's just the numbers just to get him in are just astronomical. Like you just have to move heaven and earth to to get him in and break potentially one of your wage structures and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think if your boy Ed can get it done, um, you would definitely do it because he's got some good football ahead of him um, still. But, yeah, just the, the numbers are the biggest problem here. What, what do you think? Do you think it's realistic or unlikely? What, give us I, a percentage on this. I
1: want to I say it's possible, but I just don't think anything's going to happen during the week. Like I think Sky Sports and co work too hard to get us excited over things that are just aren't going to happen. Like I, I know like last year, if you'd have said Bale was moving, when Dan kicked him out of training, you would have been like, yeah, seems logical. But then he spent the whole season there. I'm um, just sitting there being miserable. But, like I genuinely just hope he makes a good footballing decision, Gareth Bale. I'm not like if he goes to Manchester United, amazing, great signing. Would love to have him, get him back in the Premier League. I think he offers something different than all the other players. There's a lot of fast players in that United front three, and he just adds like you know he's got the range, shooting. He can he can do anything on his day, Gareth Bale. Mm.
0: Um, but I, I just don't, don't you find it odd that um, Madrid aren't like shopping him around a bit more? Like, if you're Madrid, um, you know that Zizu's not going to play him, you know he's going to sit on the bench, and you know you've got to fork out 400,000 pounds a a week for him. So, I just think it just seems odd to me that they aren't working harder to get a deal done. Like, even if it is half wages, at least if you get rid of him, um, you're going to save a couple hundred grand a week by even just getting menu to pay half their wages. So don't, do you think that's odd that they're not working well, hard? Well, I feel shopping? like
1: we've reached a bit of a tipping point in this transfer window as well because, like, historically clubs have been, like, you know, they try and get rid of Bale or they try and move Sanchez on. But I think clubs have gotten to the point where the wages are so high that you're right, like, that they're literally, like, cutting them. Like, James Rodriguez went to Everton on a free. Um, you move the numbers around whoever you want, but effectively it was a free transfer because i mm-hmm. had to get him off the books. Alexis Sanchez leaves Manchester United like again yeah. on a free. So i think much, that the wages yeah. have got to a point now where like it's it's you got to get him out to save the money because what's 400 grand a week bails on over the course yeah. of over a year that's like 20 mil to not play him. Mm. Or you could charge that's a decent United. Sport
0: player in the print. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, like charge United 20 million you you get the money back and you're not paying the wages anymore. Um it seems logical and I think clubs are making decisions now based on the size of the wage as much as the size of the transfer.
0: Yeah, agreed where it used to be, as you say, it used to be just the transfer fee. You agree the transfer fee and the wages are just just done but you got players on wages that are just so high now that they have literally priced themselves out of playing. They're too expensive to go and play for another team. So they, they just sit at their current club and just collect these Ridiculous wages and don't even play. It just play, seems crazy.
1: Please God, we have like Gareth Bale to Manchester United this week would just be unbelievable.
0: Yeah, that would be like, great. News. It'd
1: just be so exciting. It'd be so good for the club, so good for the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I just I just can't see him moving him on. It just seems like logistically, it's a bloody nightmare.
0: Yeah, agreed. So we uh, I think we're done with our transfer chat. So we might move on to uh, Colos Multi. Oh, yeah. oh no.
1: <laughs> oh, What's
0: no. What's he done? What's oh,
1: he done? So let's quickly quickly revisit Colo's multi. So we, we had the four legs, didn't we? Yeah. We had the four legs. Um, I actually didn't, when I looked at it, first of all, I didn't mind it. So we had Arsenal to beat Fulham. Big tick. tick. On their way. They are on their way. So the next one was Crystal Palace versus Southampton. And what did Colo oh, no. go for?
0: He's gone for a draw, hasn't he? Went yep. for
1: a draw. And as we know, Roy's boys at home, they don't do drugs. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. got done. Yeah, so he didn't, he didn't see that Wilf Zaha variable in there.
0: Um, and the next one, though? how we go that?
1: Well, uh, not great. Not, not great. great. No, so he we had Spurs versus Everton. Uh, no, so it was the Foxes. Foxes tick, the Foxes tick. to win. Tick. Yeah, he's got that. Big Dumb. tick. Never in doubt.
0: Good job. Good job.
1: But, yeah, now we go to Tottenham versus Everton. And we had a Spurs win.
0: Spurs win, that hurts. No, no, we, we, we had Spurs winning, yeah, and um, and Everton won, yeah. Yeah,
1: That's, and I, I don't so, think you'll be tipping Spurs to win again.
0: Okay, so we got two out of the four legs. How does how much does that pay?
1: So just let me punch in the numbers <laughs> quickly. So two out of four, so four out of four would have paid for your $10 investment. You would have made $181, oh, um, including the 10. Um, we ended up with nothing well actually no I'm down 10 bucks um, <laughs> and and my pride is hurting uh, uh, so yeah. I had to explain to the missus where my good ten dollars out of my wallet's gone but look'm I'm, I'm not gonna write things off just yet
0: I'm uh, backing him in for Thursday chain tune in on Thursday for oh we'
1: we've got we' got, got a round of um Carabao cup this week
0: oh he's not good at Caravelle, either. they <laughs>
1: It doesn't like those um, Southeast Asian energy drinks. I, I can't get enough of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so no luck on Colos Multi, um, and he's he's replaced the mailbag this week, so it had it had a big shoes to fill. And
0: yeah, he's, he, well, he filled half of them, didn't he? He filled, he filled half a shoe.
1: Yeah, but half and doesn't half pay him. anything.
0: He filled one shoe, you're half. Yeah, good job. Um all right. So how how does everyone get in contact with us?
1: So um it's email it's football played on paper at gmail.com. Facebook is football played on paper. Insta at football played on paper. Twitter is at football on pods. And the weekly segment is Colos Multi, and we are currently down ten dollars. So. And
0: we are accepting hate mail for um, Colos Multi. If anyone was on that. So. <laughs> I might flick the first one email,
1: after this.
0: Send those in. We'll read them out. Take a look in here. And and finally, if you um, want to give us a review on um, iTunes, um, that'd be good. It really helps the. Our algorithm we are accepting five stars only though so just factor that in just a problem uh, with the system
1: so just yeah problem
0: the system five, five stars <laughs> five stars only um any more from your job or we're done
1: no we are done enjoy the carabao cup and we'll get to manchester united in action this week too so get excited
0: come on donny see you guys